Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Many parents are worried about protecting their children online. No one wants their kid to have access to porn, but many of us are baffled in terms of how we can stop it. The impacts of being exposed to inappropriate content are something many parents miss. Dr. Katrina Lyons is the Executive Director of Services for Act for Kids, a non-profit organisation working in prevention, early intervention and therapeutic services for children who've been neglected or abused. Hi, Katrina. How are you? Good, thanks, Siobhan. How are you? Good, thank you. Now, when parents think about protecting their kids from abuse, it's normally abuse from other adults, but that's not always the case, is it? Uh, No, it's not. And over about 30 years at Act for Kids, we've noticed an increase in the numbers of kids referred uh, for peer-on-peer sexual abuse or or, uh, sexually reactive or problem sexual behaviours themselves. And it's not just Act for Kids. It's um, something that we've noticed Australia-wide. And that makes people very uncomfortable. I know it makes me uncomfortable just hearing that because we don't... We don't see children in that light. It's easy to see adults as potential perpetrators and knowing should know better than being in that situation. But when we think of children, we often, I mean, it's just disturbing to think they can behave that way. Do we know where the behaviour itself is coming from? Well, firstly, I think we need to put it into context. So even though it sounds awful, peer-on-peer sexual abuse, the majority of kids probably don't understand that it's abuse. So children um, develop sexually the same as they develop every other kind of way and they are naturally curious and and see things and think they'll have a go or they talk to their friends and they think that they know all about sex. So I think firstly there is always natural curiosity and um, experimentation that kids have done and always will do. Um, and sometimes, though, if, if it involves other kids and the other kids, you know, get hurt or don't like it, then that's when we talk about it as problem sexual behaviours or that peer-on-peer sexual abuse or sexual assault. But the majority of kids, when we talk to them, don't actually understand the concept of consent or that other kids might not like it. And when we explain that to them, um, they they are like, oh, wow, I didn't know that they didn't like it. I, I'll stop. So you just mentioned there that children are curious, naturally curious. How do we tell the difference between a healthy, developmentally appropriate curiosity about their own bodies, I guess, and other yeah. bodies, yeah. and something that's more problematic? So I think if it's age... Typical, and I, and you know, I'm a parent, and I have, you know, my girls are grown up now. But you know, you you know that at particular ages, they're fascinated by human bodies and and genitalia because you know nobody seems to talk about that. So they, of course, they're more curious about things. So if it's that just curiosity and interest and asking questions that it seems to be age-appropriate, that's fine. It's where kids know about things like... So, you know, if you've got a five-year-old asking about anal sex, there's a problem. You know, that's, that's not... It's quite obvious. It's, it's really obvious. 
um, kids learn about self-pleasuring and masturbation and experiment and all the rest of it. And it's actually really common to have to explain to them that it's it's normal, but it's not something you do in public. But if their behaviour is uh, like it's obsessive, like they a lot, they're doing it a lot, and they're doing it in really inappropriate places, then that again is is potentially a um, a red flag. And it is normal for little kids to want to look at other little kids' genitals. Um, and that's some of the things that I think that get blown up out of proportion potentially at school when kids are behaving like this and the parents don't understand that it really might have been normal. Did anyone actually have a conversation about the kids about what they were doing? It might not have been inappropriate. And It sounds like it's almost about... Um teaching boundaries, which is what we have to do from the very beginning. If it's natural curiosity and let's say a little boy is lifting up a little girl's skirt and she's not liking it and she tells him to stop and he doesn't stop, that sounds like a behavioural thing to me where we as parents need to step in or adults need to step in and say, she says no, she means no, don't do it. Um, would you say that's that's the way you would define it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, the way we approach it and have done for probably nearly 12 years now is to teach kids what we call protective behaviours. So Acta Kids has a program where we go into schools. It's, it's quite extensive. There's, you know, a session um, each week for five weeks, but we teach children specifically about um, touches that um, are okay and who can touch them and, and when it's okay and that they have the right to say no if they are really being made uncomfortable by someone touching them. Um, we teach them about private and public um, body parts and who can touch your private parts. Um, and the flip side of that is that you don't touch anyone's private parts as well because um, they need to let they need to say it's okay. So it is the concept of consent, but from a really young age. And yes, parents can have conversations with kids about that from really little. Um, just open, relaxed, it doesn't need to be a big deal. And if you talk about it from when they're really little in an open way, um, then, you know, it's it's not a lesson you have to really struggle with, with them when they're teenagers. You had mentioned earlier that um, you're seeing more cases of peer-on-peer abuse. Um, does that come from uh, the influence of the internet? Is that is that correlated? Do you think? Um, I think that the problem is really complex. I um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not dodging the question. I'll explain what I mean. I think there are many reasons that the incidence has increased, and and it's partly because we've also got um, a different. Uh, you know, approach to kids being able to disclose things. So more kids are disclosing things that might not have occurred, been disclosed in the past. We have, um, you know, an epidemic of domestic violence and research shows there's a clear link between um, kids observe or living in a house where domestic violence and that control and coercion is the norm and they're exhibiting those kinds of abusive behaviours sexually towards other kids. So it's really quite complex and kids who've been sexually abused themselves and have a, a, a distorted idea of what is normal sexual behaviour um, often um, can assault other kids. But 
we've just done a survey because we were interested in this ourselves and we asked, um, um, in one of the questions we asked was what people thought was the cause of it and more than three quarters of people thought it was online content and I, I believe it actually has a, you know, a large role to play in a number of cases. Well, we do hear that children as young as nine uh, are getting access to porn on the web accidentally and that it's something that many children um, come across because of their access to the internet. Um, How can we protect them from that? Well, one in ten kids first use a smart device when they are under one because we're giving kids iPads and phones to play with and if they're not secured in terms of content or the things that they go to and can click on accidentally, we've got, you know, a situation where really little kids could be looking at um, sexually explicit material. And we know that by the time um, kids are 10, 98% of them um, have access, clear access to um, a smart device. Um, When we asked parents in our survey whether they, what they did to... um, protect kids online, only about a third of parents secured their own devices with a password and um, over half of them let kids access content unsupervised. So there's lots and lots of ways um, now that you can um, secure your device. You can let kids um, browse safely because you can use filters, you can block those kinds of pop-ups that come up that kids click on. Um, so we've got, you know, three messages for parents um, this Child Protection Week and they all start with S, so they're really easy to um, remember. So one is secure your devices and the other is supervise your children online and the third is sit down and have open conversations with kids about the material they may see online. And in terms of securing your devices, is, do you have any advice on... Do you have any tips on where we can find that information? Because I know I've tried it before and because our um, iPads, like many people, we all use it as a family, I've put those uh, blocks, etc., on the iPad and then found I couldn't access anything myself. And I'm not trying to access inappropriate content. It's just that those barriers made it really hard for me to use it for things like work. Do you have any um, advice on where we can get those um, tips on how to secure our devices? Um, actually, on our website, we've put a, a, a bunch of links so that people can go and have a look. Um, and so that's actforkids.com.au. Um, links about securing devices and links about um, uh, normal sexual development and, and also how to have conversations with kids. Um, but, but I agree with you. That's one of the reasons the most important message we have is to have those conversations with kids from, from really little and say see that thing that's popped up, it's probably not a good idea. You know, it's got, um, you know, you you might have to explain about what it is. It's got people, you know, doing things that you probably don't want to look at and so don't click on them. Um, And as, as they get older, you need to actually have open conversations with them about pornography and what it actually is. You know, it's, it's paid adults, that myth busting stuff, you know, it's Mm. paid adults, it's not people having sex for five hours, you know, without becoming exhausted. <laughs> um, you know, some of that reality about what pornography is because 
kids, when they don't have a conversation with a parent that isn't um, punitive or shameful, like it's a good open conversation, if, if they don't have those conversations, they naturally go and look for information and it's so readily available on the internet that that's where they're going to go. And so what they see is what they think about relationships and sex. Mm, it sounds like there's a whole other podcast in talking to kids about <laughs> pornography. Um, but I'm going to end with the, the tips that you've got on how we can deal with trying to prevent them from getting there in the first place. <laughs> and yeah. Maybe we'll talk another time about how we can have those open and honest conversations because it can be awkward for parents. We don't really, we've never really had to deal with this before. No, no, and it is really awkward. We've got a whole resource on our website developed by our sexual abuse counselling team because even they struggle to have conversations with kids because the stuff they're seeing online now is is quite horrifying. Um, so we've developed a booklet with kids, teenagers, um, uh, that is humorous and allows you to have a, a conversation where you can reduce their shame. And we've got a whole heap of tips online about how to do that, how to have the conversation. Well, thank yet, goodness for people like yourself, Katrina, because I would have no idea what to do. Oh, well, it's a new age, see? We, we've, it's a digital age. We've got to get with the program, That's we? exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, Katrina, thank you for guiding us in the right way today. And um, I will definitely include those links in the notes of this episode so we can all go and have a read. Okay. Thanks, Siobhan. That's Dr. Katrina Lyons. She's the Executive Director of Services for ACT for Kids. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Debbie Ning and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. We'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.